Hello everybody, welcome to Optional Opinion. I'm your host, Eddie V. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great topic and a special guest on this episode, which this topic is going to be a multi-part. I asked some people to come in because I think it's very important to access and get a lot of people's viewpoints. So today's topic, um, I'm addressing, can racism and stereotypes be overlooked because of good sales for a video game? And joining me for this first part, it's the one and only from Irrational Passion, Mr. Jared Green. Welcome, good sir. Hello. How are you? I am doing good. Can you give our listeners uh, some video game history about yourself? Um, well, I'm a freelancer um, primarily. I write features and guides and whatnot uh, all over the internet, really. Um, focused right now at Gamepedia.com, which is a curse media, which is a Twitch subsidiary, um, and irrationalpassions.com, as you mentioned. Um, I am editor-at-large at irrationalpassions.com. There, we do basically everything um, that you can do with games, especially now we've gotten to video. That's becoming like a new big thing. We just had a big uh, PAX East adventure, because a lot of us went there. Lots of stuff from PAX East related up there, too. Um, But you can find Jarrett Green-related writing... uh, you know, on irrationalpassions.com, gamepd.com, you want to do some Googling, find some at Playboy, you can find some at IGN. I've been around. Yes, yes. And everybody, um, I have been on Jared's podcast. Um, me and fellow guest Josh Brent, uh, we were on it. That's right. We did the um, Resident Evil we did 7. the Game of the Year Resident Evil 7. Yes. So show. do go check that out. Uh, it's, it's such, it was such a good episode. And they have other games and other topics that I, I just get in. I just be like, I want to be in the same room with you guys recording because <laughs> I have opinions <laughs> sometimes. Uh, but uh, yes, and check out their PAX coverage. They have a ton of good coverage and good discussion. So uh, I think their latest episode is about PAX, correct? Um, yeah, we do. Um, there are two podcasts that are like centric at our Rational Passions, the Rational Passions podcast proper, hosted by Alex O'Neill, who's the editor-in-chief at Rational Passions. Him and his, um, him and that team are separate than the editorial team. Mm-hmm. Um, the editorial team's quote-unquote, their podcast is Input, which is a news show, uh, hosted by myself, George Cruz, and Logan Wilkinson. Um, the last, our last show, well, our last two shows, um, the most recent one's a normal episode, but the one before that is a PAX-related episode. They came out basically right one after the other because we forgot to post the PAX episode because we were <laughs> in Boston. But, yeah, we have a PAX-specific episode. It has some news, but it also has some sort of um, feedback and some, uh, I guess, analysis and reaction from what we've been seeing on the floor so far at the time. So definitely worth listening to. Um, if Even though it's not the most recent thing at the top of your feed, it's worth going back to listen to it, I think. All right, yes, go check it out. And there's probably be another episode out by the time this one comes out. Uh, so, you know, check it out. I, I do give them a listen. And if you like their work, subscribe to them, follow them on Twitter. They're just phenomenal in their work. Uh, but we're going to get into this topic. And I actually got some questions. Uh, I can't okay. kind of prepare for for this. Um, but I want to start off asking, uh, how do you uh, view characters uh, like their race and their placement in a video game? Um, you know, I think it's a difficult question because it's never it's hard to look at, at it at one sort of angle or in one space because 
especially now, um, video games have tried forever to sort of replicate movies and cinema to the point where we're telling stories in the same ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're attempting to tell the same stories that movies tell. Uh, not as well, I don't think. Um, but we're trying. So we always, we're finding ourselves more often talking about actual things. Like, it's not about princesses and castles anymore. We're, we're, we find ourselves tiptoeing around the race question a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, I don't know that I've seen a game that does it like well, but I've seen more games probably in the past five years that have tried than, you know, the, the five years prior. Um, I think it's tough specifically because there's lots of different ways to look at how race is being applied in a game. Um, from the first time you turn a game on and you go to a creative character, um, that's one kind of indication of how a game's going to play with race. Yes. Um, be it, can you even create a character that looks like me? Can I find a voice that sounds like mine? Is the hair going to look like my actual hair or just some interpretation of what black hair looks like um but even then i always consider that like a a a scapegoat or like an easy way out like the most recent example i can find is far cry 5 you create your character and it can look any you know man woman look like whoever you want it to look like but you don't have a voice you're not really a character with any agency you're just kind of like a face to receive directions so it doesn't matter if i'm black with an afro doesn't you know that person's not talking to a black dude. He's talking to a player. Yes. Um, and it never acknowledges the fact that he's black. The world doesn't acknowledge what I look like unless I die. Basically you see my body and the camera zooms out. Um, I always found that to be one of the more egregious sort of ways. Race is kind of ignored in video games. Um, because it always feels like the industry is like, Oh, you can be whoever you want. You can put yourself in the game, but they never really acknowledge who you are and what that really means. Um, and that's become something that, like, we've all just kind of forgotten, I think. So if I had to pick, like, one way um, race is dealt with in video games poorly, I think that's one of my biggest ways. The creative character. Well, I, I think sometimes with creative character, their intention is for you to be in that role as a character. So as you design how you want your character to look like, whether it's, be, it's you or a fantasy character that you think of yourself, um, they want to use that for, to help you like really experience the story and talk about uh, the game with other friends. Be like, yeah, this is how I dress my character, and this is how it looks in the game. Like when you're co-oping or anything, um, right? We, we create the characters. Uh, I think when it comes to race with a lot of characters, for most of us the protagonist is pretty much white or Caucasian. And depending, I, I think now it's not even with gender anymore. I think between uh, male and female, most of the games that we have come across has been Caucasian. Um, mm-hmm. And there's there's been some games with black leads or with uh, Native American. Like if you look at Prey, that dealt with the Native American uh, character and there was a, also an NES game that dealt with the Native American which might seem racist at that time but it was the NES days where you didn't even think about race you just thought about I got a new Nintendo game to play and that was yeah. it um, and, I, and I think with with games now 
uh, a lot of people, and we'll probably be talking this a bit about this about diversity that everyone in the episode. I think with games now, uh, people a lot of people just have come to the norm that if it's a white protagonist, we should feel safe, um, and we should just we can, we're going to accept it because this is what we've been playing. And we pretty much won't talk about the race because we mostly talk about what we've done or what we experienced in the game. Well, I think it's less – I mean I think safety is kind of like a subconscious mode. And so I think more importantly and maybe more specifically Mm -hmm. that we view sort of – especially in particular sorts of protagonists that white is a default. Like it's not necessarily better – than having a character of a different race, but if you had to assume this person existed, he'd probably be white, is the assumption that you can get from some of these things. Like, Commander Shepard, another person you can just make look like whoever you want, the default Commander Shepards are just white dudes in space. In a game where your cast is, like, colorful aliens from other parts of the galaxy, the main protagonist, the super specter, the superhuman, is a white dude. Yes. Uh interesting choice i think considering it's a, a a trilogy and a half that's usually a discussion about the the power and the benefits of diversity um it's funny how we always you, you find that the diversity conversation can happen in these games but when it comes down to the protagonist, that person is usually it's usually a conversation about diversity through a white lens. Um, but it, my problem is it's not even through a white lens necessarily; it's through like this milk toast basic lens. We don't even discuss the fact that the character is white; he just is. And everybody else is different and like is worth learning about. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about the whiteness of the white character either. So it's it's never about cultural diversity; it's about cultural diversity that isn't this white character. And that I think that's a subconscious assumption that whiteness is defaultness, and maybe that also then leads to your like your point about it being a safe thing. But yes. I don't know. It seems that, and this could be a reflection of the people who make the games, like how what those people usually look like, and those they're those people's oh. particular experiences. Oh, we're and they going to address that. that. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I'm sure that. those all have something to do with it, but um, yeah. A safeness, but I think also just sort of just like this lacks defaultness. Yeah, I I I have something to, uh, about that later on. Um, and what, what do you think about the placement in the game? Like, uh, playing Gears of War, and sure. you know you got uh you got Dom, you got Cole, uh, you got Marcus Phoenix. Um, you know, all those characters and they all kind of like fill a role there where Marcus is like the white dude. Dom is, feels like he's the Spanish guy. Uh, Cole is like this crazy black woohoo, the cold train. Like, like their person, their placement in the game, even though they're, uh, army, like, or they're soldiers, their characteristics in the game kind of have a placement. What it has to do with the actual game, though, is still kind of odd, in a sense. Well, I think it's definitely like um, your generic war movie has sort of stereotypical characters. Uh Uh-huh. Or really any action movie, right? Like, what is, like, who is Cole, but he would have been a dude 
in an action movie. He would have been Ving Rhames in any action movie he's been in. Yeah. Um, where he wears, he chomps on a cigar and wears a fedora on the side is and blows something up I, and says something cool or is, whatever the fuck. Is it that I could, I could just hear, uh, his voice as Cole and just see him on the screen and be like, that's Cole Yeah. And just be like, wait, what? <laughs> and it's, it's crazy because you see it everywhere and, Part of it, I think, is people who make these things, they get, like, focus tested to the point where, like, there's a formula of what people expect to see in these certain genres of stuff. Mm -hmm. And they want this. They want the tough guy with a tortured past who leads the characters and has to, like, find his own personal redemption. They want the wisecracking sidekick dude who's kind of scrawny, but he's there for laughs. But, like, he'll he'll be heroic when he needs to be. They want the tough guy who... He was probably ethnic in some way, uh, Dom specifically, who's noble, has nothing, not really here for the banter, but he's quiet and noble, and he's here for the sacrifice in case he needs to, because he's just, like, that's, he's just a silent, like, colored man. And then the other one, who's the opposite, who's also colored, but here for the party, um, here to make, like, you know, Rudy Pooh, like, gunshots, and is here for the action. Yeah. Um, I think in in a way, though, I don't want to completely undersell it, like or oversell it, I guess, because Cole was played by um, football player. What's his name? Uh, who am I? Um, he was played by Lester Splite. Um, he, I think his name is Lester Splite. Um, but he was ba- he's professionally known, famous for being Terry Tate, the office linebacker in the old commercials. Cole is basically Terry Tate, the superhero, the super soldier. Um, so he basically is playing a character he's already played. So I guess it makes sense in a way. Like, he isn't necessarily representing, I don't know, the he doesn't want to anyway represent this sort of weird default blackness that kind of pervades, like, finds its way pervasively into, like, all of our entertainment. He's just playing a character he's played already, but he just it just so happens that that character is 100% this sort of stereotype that keeps showing up. Um, so, yeah, it's it's like, I don't know, it's, it's a bad thing, but it's also a thing that, A, he is not attempting to do purposely, I don't think, and B, something we should probably be way more, like, I don't know, aware of when we decide to take roles like this, if we're getting them offered to us in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, like, I don't know, I feel like this also goes back, um, because I think, you know, 80%, 90% of the problem is the people who cast, design, write these characters, make these games, because this is what they're looking for. But I think a lot of, uh, some of it comes from us as well, like, when we got to be able to make our own characters and make our own movies, like the 70s, 60s, 70s, black exploitation era, we sort of felt a need to make up for like all of the times that we've been drug dealers and and drug addicts and thieves and criminals who just get shot by uh, the raging white hero by yes. making ourselves by making super powerful, super like super agency black heroes. So we that's when we made like that's where Shaft comes from. Um, that's where the Mac comes from. These people who get to live, these aren't just 
guys you can push over that anyone can push over like guy be it drug dealers on the street in the in the streets we live in to the fbi they can just kick our doors in because we are we're the superheroes and i feel like we've been we've been living in this world we have to write we have to overwrite our characters so much that we've by accident sort of reinforced the stereotype that always been keeps being forced back on us like i don't know that we would get characters like Mr. T and uh, like B.A. Barakas in the A-Team if it weren't for us always writing B.A. Barakas in the entertainment. Right. Because then white people watch it and they're like, I love that time when this guy who was like B.A. Barakas just punched a door in and like went and arrested all the white folks. Like, we need that dude in our thing, in our thing, because that would be cool. And it's like, that's what they want to be. And I feel like that's given us an unfair sort of position, too. Um, Ta-Nehisi Coates spoke about this a little bit, I think in an interview with Mark Marin when he was talking about writing Black Panther a year or two ago uh-huh. and how Black, Black Panther forever has been the symbol of just a black dude who's super badass. But that, de- that never gave him any depth. So he wanted to write a guy who can be as complicated as a Shakespearean king. Um, give Black Panther some weaknesses he never had before, or no one ever talked about before. Black Panther's always a guy with all the answers. Um, I feel like we always kind of fail at that, and I feel like Cole, especially, is an example of that. When he, like, I, I feel like it gets better over time, right? Because Cole, you start getting into like why Cole is always so aggressive, yes, and always so like positive because this is how he gets through it, and because he's also like suffering through like PTSD and his own sort of eighties. This is his particular way to deal with it. But you know, from if you took Cole's entire if you take any single shot, like shot of Cole from any of the, like, the trailers or any of the promotional materials, you'd assume he's just a one dope black guy, like everybody else. But um, then when she played Gears of War three, you when you play the- Gears of War three, he gets the bomb, and you like start. He, he has a flashback to like him playing on the football field, and yes. you realize like he's been fu- he's been running away from this his entire life or your entire time with him. You don't really understand it. Um, it's weird that we have to take three games and like seven years to get to that point to understand these characters are deeper than that. Um, which might be your problem with the writing in general, but the writing of black characters specifically, I think, is... Which we're going to be talking about, because this is a problem, kind of, with, even with Grand Theft Auto, and I'm going to address that one later on. Um, And I think, yeah, we're just going to say that one, because I I have a question about developers making other characters, and we're going to address that one a little bit later. But we're going to move on to the second question, though. Um, because of their looks, do we expect certain stereotypes out of them? You know, we just mentioned Cole. Um, but if you look at Until Dawn, you look at those cast of characters. Um, once you once you learn their person, once you uh, see the way that they look, um, sometimes there's a personality or there's a certain stereotype. Like the black dude, he's the football jock. So uh, he's the only like black person in the whole cast so normally we for normally for us when we see a black person in a video game that's like a survival horror game they're gonna die they're gonna be the first person to die you know yeah and and, Um, and even though that that's a stereotype um pretty much san andreas is all full of stereotypes it is i think um I think there's different there are, there are different stereotypes here though. Um 
I think in Until Dawn specifically, you find that writers don't know how to write black people, mm-hmm. so they write them to be timid or like quiet um, or like super reasonable. Like I, I found that that character in Until Dawn was like always the he was like the voice of reason, but he was also like a person who was being manipulated because he wanted just to do the right thing, which is fine. That's a good character. But I find that that becomes a, a default for the black guy when they don't want to make the black guy the super aggro dude. Um, well, well, you know, I, I, I think just survival horror in general is a, is a stereotype because most survival horror games um, is this with a they always do a, a, a female, a white female. You know, and even though like not not so much as Resident Evil and like Silent Hill, like they kind of balance it out. But if you look at like a lot of early PlayStation One games, when it comes to survival horror, and even some Dreamcast games, it's always like a white female being the protagonist. And I, I feel I, like PS One probably is a good era too, where that happens. Mm-hmm. Like the, your your um. What am I thinking of? The one where you're super, like a secret agent and there's like four discs and you jump back between them. It, it just got remade. Fear Effect. That's what I'm thinking of. Fear Effect, yeah. But what a know, bad game. But but even like Parasite Eve, you know. Yeah. Uh, Like, it, it just felt that at a time with survival horror, um, they moved away from males just in general in place a lot of females and if you want to look at movies a lot of movies use just females as the main lead like and, and it's always weird uh like why are females when it comes to survival horror or horror movies in general they're like the protagonist i think that's actually um i think it has a lot to do with vulnerability mm-hmm. i feel like people who market well there's two things in movies specifically i think it's definitely vulnerability because the Hollywood sort of interpretation of weakness in general that needs to be persevered through is like a scared white woman. So that's why they're always the protagonists in horror movies being haunted or being chased by other things or being killed or being whatever is because I think Hollywood subconsciously says what's what's an easier mark than a, a scared white woman. Which is problematic in its own way. Yes. Um, I think in video games, especially in survival horror, remember, a lot of survival horror is Japanese. Um, in fact, most survival horror is Japanese. I, yes. I, off the top of my head, I can't think of an Ameri- of a Western survival horror game, actually. Out, uh, out uh, well, um, what's the movie? Um, Afraid of the Dark, I think. Alone in the Dark, I think, is Western. Yeah, but, Alone in the Dark is, yeah. Um, but I think, you know, all the significant ones are Japanese. Yes. Um, and they have like a fetishization of the woman protagonist, especially the sort of West European looking woman protagonist. Because um, how many protagonists in a survival horror game look Asian? Because Jill Valentine doesn't. Eve doesn't necessarily. Um, they do in the art style, but they're not represented as Asians. They don't. They're not Asian characters. They're they are they are some sort of Americanized or Westernized, Europeanized character that just happens to be drawn with an Asian style. Because like Fatal Frame is pure Japanese horror. Yeah, that is Japanese horror, and as you can tell, it's in Japan. Yes. It's based in you know Japanese things, uh, Japanese settings, but also using very Japanese techniques to scare you. 
Yes. Um, that is absolutely Japanese horror, where Resident Evil is American horror, just happens to be in Japan. Um, yes. and, and you can tell as the games progress in the series, these characters become more and more American. Um, same with Parasite Eve. Yeah, because the appeal of Resident Evil became more and more American. Mm-hmm. Um, Exactly. Like, like, and Capcom, even like Resident Evil Five, which is another title, I definitely have a question about. They they appealed to the Western audience because of how successful Resident Evil Four was. And that the exact, you can see it just not just in the, um, the artists' renditions of these characters. Like that's the game that suddenly Chris Redfield was like gigantic and was punching through boulders. And the action in that game was outrageous because, I mean, what's more actiony than the Western appreciation of like giant dudes with muscles shooting the shit out of everything? Explosion. They tapped yeah. exactly into what Americans are here for, and that's like giant dudes shooting people. Yeah, explosions, set pieces. Like we as Americans, we have been, you know, we got used to that, and because like, I think a lot of Western, a lot of us in America. We wouldn't understand none of the Japanese horror when if, if they were if we were supposed to watch a, a horror thing in Japanese. There's so much to it, and so much lore to it. Even in their film progress, we wouldn't have not one bit understood it. Like I didn't even know that colors, but the lighting and stuff plays a a, a part in the scene that's going on. I mm-hmm. didn't know that. I I learned that about school. I'm like. Wait, it does, and it just certain certain happen. Like if we think of a Japanese movie, martial arts is the first thing that comes to mind. Right. Well, I think um, that's just kind of the way Japan. Well, really, most of East Asia, but Japan specifically, tell stories. Like yes. they tell stories. You know, not just in the words. Like their poetry isn't just the words they're using; it's the shape of the words they're using. It's how many words are using on the line. It's it's the shape of the entire poem together. It's how the words sound coming off of your mouth. Like it's every every single dimension in which a word is used is important in telling a story, and they're all their own elements. I feel like that translates to everything they do. Like you can have a twenty minute fight scene in a Japanese action movie because the action in that fight scene is telling its own story. Um, Correct. I, I so you know lighting and color and uses of all that. Like clearly, that's all. In the Japanese way of things, of course, they would all be parts of the elements of telling the story. Here, like, if someone's wearing a red shirt, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. It just means they're wearing a red shirt. Where in Japan, the the fact that this person's wearing the color red on Tuesday could mean something completely significant. Um, and they'll let you know because they'll be spending five minutes trying to nudge that into you. Yes. So, uh, uh, moving on, uh, with the plot and location, why are we forced to fight these enemies? Okay, so, um, if we look at Call of Duty, um, a lot of times they have used, like, we're fighting Russians, and we're fighting Iranians, um, or brown-skinned people, if you want to put it that way. Even with Battlefield, like, they set that place in, somewhere in Asia, um, why did you feel like we we were forced to fight these people? We play as a white protagonist shooting these enemies up, whether it's like a cult or they're they're like their own personal army and stuff like that. Well, I think Call of Duty specifically um, benefits from the last what eighteen years of war we've been in mm-hmm. in the Middle East. 
America in the past, probably longer than in the past 30 years has had this, we've been stuck in this loop with fighting people from the Middle East. So we've had decades of sort of subconscious impression of our own, I guess, insecurities and fears about what goes on over there. Um, I think we, we've made it easy to look at a dude in turban and consider him the enemy. Um, from 9-11 till now. Yes. Uh, I think I think that's been a big part of a lot of the, the crazy the, the craziest stuff we can think of in the past 20 years is probably something to do with that very same nexus. Um, I think it's not as it's not the same as say um, Far Cry 5. Far Cry 5 where Far Cry 5 um, the use it's funny because the use of minorities in Far Cry 5 seems to be like a cop out. Because that doesn't seem like what they wanted to do. What they wanted to do is like make a, a game about par- paranoid white militias in the middle in like the Midwest. Um, but in order to, to back away from that, they add a bunch of minorities who would, for some reason, be completely down with this super conservative, super exclusionary sort of uh, mindset and set of doctrine, and they'd just be here for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the relationship between dirty brown skin creatures even if they're not brown they're all dirty and hairy enough to be looked like yeah seems it, it reminds me a lot of lovecraftian use of bestial people um people being described as like beastmen uh dirty twisted gnarled like they are discussions about people being reduced from humanity to something lesser than but they always seem to turn into people you could describe as maybe not white maybe just darker than white and it's a weird relationship there. I think if you want to look into Far Cry 5's use of dirty people, you could probably go there too. They take a couple drugs and they get addicted to this idea that they're going to some sweet new heaven thanks to these very clean, well-dressed white people. Yes. I think that's an interesting relationship that a person could talk about. Um, but it, it, it it's weird that you say that because um, if you look at Wolfenstein 2, like we as it, us in the gaming industry and like just gaming community, we know Wolfenstein has always been their their uh, imaginational take of Nazis, right? And then when Wolfenstein Two came out, and all these I'm just gonna say it, all these white people who claim to be Nazis or and you know carried the Nazi flag and kind of represent them and stuff. Th- their feelings got offended because of Wolfenstein too, and it's just like, where have you been at for the last thirty plus some years? That was an interesting situation where, like, and it happened with um, it happened obviously with Far Cry Five because it was an attack on what seemed to be at the time very conservative, yeah, but but well, like widespread ideology that like getting in your prepper bunker and strapping up in the name of God is something that conservatives do. And that seemed like a direct attack. And you're like, you know what? This is stupid. And maybe there is something wrong with that ideology, but, but maybe just maybe you have a point. Maybe it's okay to sit in a bunker and wait for the apocalypse. But what's fucking crazy to me then is when you go to Wolfenstein two where conservatives are being upset because their cons- the conservative way of thinking is being attacked because it's a different – it's not a conservative way of thinking. It's it's the SDWs, again, trying to dominate the conversation and not let other points of view uh-huh. 
exists, and I'm like, hey, do any, have any of you played Wolfenstein for the past 30 years? We've been killing Nazis since even, then in video games, at least. And it's just like, why do you even pay attention to Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein now? Like, we've been talk, we've been having this discussion about this game for years the pc the pc community have known this game it has been broadcast everywhere it has been talked about it has been at stores and so everybody in the industry knows wolfenstein is like and there's there's never been a controversy with killing nazis like the reason we always use nazis is because they're easy to make villains because everybody for them we all can come together and unite in the idea that Nazis are bad and like irredeemably so. So we shoot them all because it's easy. We don't, no one has to ask any other questions about it. They're bad. We shoot them. And that's pretty much like even kill zone. Like that's their take. Their yeah. If they're not Nazis, Nazis, they're, they're just like Nazis. Right. Like it, 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 it it doesn't bother me. It just felt like so weird. Cause we're laughing at all of them. And mm-hmm. I kind of like the I like I like the developers kind of response to the people who were mad at this game. They're not mad at it no more because it was just like, well, Wolf of Science sold whatever it sold. It's coming to Switch and it's probably going to sell more. Mm-hmm. Those people who were mad at it, you didn't get your apology. You didn't even pick up the game and the system to play it. And it didn't even need you to because it still it still exists exactly, and it's thriving. And it's like the same conversation. It's the reason, you know, they also zombies became a big deal too, because zombies are raceless and cultureless for the most part. Even though the idea of a zombie is Haitian and is gonna be completely forgotten about and completely whitewashed, we're not gonna go back that far. Yes. But the concept of a zombie is just a dude who was dead and now alive again, but like by unfortunate means and is here brainlessly to eat your face. Like again, something we can shoot with impunity and prejudice and not feel bad about because we're not aggressively assaulting a way of life and that is why these things have always been so such easy defaults as enemies when you start talking about anything else you have to start talking about the culture and i think that's why you've always avoided these things because then we gotta start talking about the culture and even in games like say i want to think in mercenaries 2 maybe yes um where you're fighting in korea you're basically an operator in the demilitarized zone working both in North and South Korea. And you're shooting a lot of Koreans in these games. Pretty much and, like home front also. Yeah. But the difference is in mercenaries, there's a, I mean, not a great conversation, but there's a recognition that you're just a guy walking into like a shitty situation that people you who are paying you to be here fucked up in the first place during the Korean war. And there's a comp, there's a very com like complicated relationship of what's going on in here, and it recognizes that within its very meager story. At least it addresses it. When you run around and start shooting people without addressing that part, you you run into problems. And I think that's where Call of Duty ran, ran into some of its problems. Mm-hmm. It's just like, of course these guys are the enemy because they're Ikeda, I guess. Or like something just like it. But they never talk about the people who are also being persecuted by these people you're shooting. You never see these, you never see non-militarized brown people hiding in, you know, shacks or whatever um they like these military shooters specifically like to have these conversations whenever whenever they want to not whenever they should i think yes um that becomes the problem with call of duty for me i think battlefield one in the same way um 
Battlefield 1 at least attempted. Here's the problem. My problem with Battlefield 1 is all the promotional materials um, for Battlefield 1, all, anything you saw on the internet, everything you saw on um, basically any screen that advertised the game, YouTube, advertised E3. black soldiers from a very particular um, unit. And the the concept, or at least what they like, sort of, I don't know, infers that you'll be playing characters who look and sound like people you've never heard before. You've never heard of the Harlem Hellfighters, and you're going to play a story with them, and the sto- it might be a significant one. Turns out you're going to play chapter one, which is a tutorial chapter. You're going to play them for like ten or fifteen minutes, and you're never going to talk about them again, and the rest of that story or rest of those stories though i think they all are interesting because they take particular sides of that conflict that also aren't really talked about yes like you, you do play a character in italy at, at like during the fall of um 1918 but like i think it tries to play fast and loose with some of the, the uh some of its inferences about things like uh race and whatnot too uh but I think if I were going to put one against the other, at least Battlefield 1, I don't know, made it feel like they were going to try. Where Call of Duty is like, well, you know why you're here in the desert, so to shoot everybody in front of you. Um, and it's a shame because Call of Duty is the best-selling game every year and has been for 10 years. Um, if there's any good way to put something that's like poignant about anything, it's in the game that everyone's looking at. Yes. And I feel like it, it takes the safer route and it wants to make sure everyone still looks at it next year, so it doesn't want to challenge anybody on anything. And that sucks. It does. It, it's just for everybody to know that we're talking more about the campaigns and the stories that these games tell. We're not really talk, delving into like multiplayer because it, that that's a mode that you challenge different people around the world. Um, yeah, that, and that doesn't that doesn't matter because that's just a mechanical thing. It doesn't really matter what you look and, like when and, you're doing it. And trust me, that deals with a whole different level of racism and stereotypes. Yes. <laughs> and, yes, it does. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll probably I'll probably tackle that one a little bit later because there's thoughts still to be had about that. But we're gonna move on. Um, so, and th- we probably just answer this next question. Um, Russians and Iranians and first-person shooters seem to be used for a while. Do you think it's fair for them to be seen in that manner? Um, like, th- like they want to destroy America or they want to take over the world or they got some agenda. So we're sitting our like special troops or military into it. And I, I, I wasn't there. There was some controversy about it that. You know, a lot of Iranians just felt like that's unfair, that you would never see an Iranian come to America and shoot up a bunch of white people because that would deem them as a terrorist. I think I think it's not it's not fair for a reason that's not necessarily um, obvious, I think. Mm hmm. Do you, I think Russia as the enemy has been like a Cold War holdover forever when Russia was absolutely our enemy um, and we almost nuked each other for it. I think we culturally haven't let that go. Um, and I'm not sure we necessarily should because they are still a superpower and still a rival and still into some shit that we're not okay with. But 
I think defaulting to Russians as the enemy just because they're Russians, um, I think that still speaks to an unnecessary sort of cultural coding that we don't get over for some reason. But do you think do you think developers or even any developer that if roles were reversed, can we tell that same story and can that game sell well? In in America, probably not. Like I don't think you'd be able to tell like for example, in Call of Duty four I think it's Modern Warfare with the no Russian uh mission. Uh, where you so shoot up a Russian uh a, a Russian airport. Uh the uh that's Modern Warfare two, yeah. Cause I have Modern Warfare two, yeah. Um, you, I, you couldn't do no English, I don't think, and shoot up an airport, like an American airport. See, like you that's couldn't... what I thought it was. I thought it was an American airport. Well, yeah, it's an American airport from Russians, I mean. So, yeah, a, a Russian terrorist roll in, but I think they're all, yeah, a Russian terrorists roll into an airport, shoot a bunch of people and leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that would happen the other way around. Like, I don't think you can have a team of Americans, um, roll up into Moscow and just shoot a bunch of, um, Russian citizens who are completely innocent for the most, like the, from what we can tell, and that would be you'd never publish that game. I think they know that because you can't because there's just this concept in games specifically where like Americans can't be bad guys. If they're going to be coded culturally as Americans, they're very rarely bad guys. Um, they might be complicated, but they're doing the right thing usually. Um, if they're not Americans, they might as well be like, uh, in Gears of War specifically, there is no America, but they're all Americans. Yeah. Um, I think there's one of those things. It's like, we can look at games like, um, Spec Ops The Line, maybe such a great game where those guys, the three of them recognize like, wow, maybe what we're doing is terrible. Maybe that's the point. Like maybe there's no way out of this and conflicts like these are endless and only hurt the people who are involved and never anybody who's not here. Um, but how, you know, for how many spec ops are there versus how many call of duties and battlefields are there? Like, yeah. we don't, we don't tell war stories where America's bad. And I don't think you'd ever would. Yeah. Even, um, that one game that uh, Konami was going to publish but didn't uh, because it was based on a real thing, uh, Call of um, Fallujah or something like that? Um, seven Days or Three Days in Fallujah, I think it's called. Yeah, oh, yeah, something like that. And yeah, but it was to... literally like a three days in the life of a squad that really did kick indoors in Fallujah, yeah. Yeah, and people were willing to play that game, but because they were they were fearful of that and they didn't get the funding that game didn't come out cuz i think right now if they i think if they did kickstarter or some kind of crowdfunding thing i think enough people would be ready for that game cuz and i would it's be, funny because i think they were probably more ready for it then yeah they they were but konami and other publishers stepped away from it and i think like, it was I, I think it probably was the uh, I had to read up more. To my knowledge, that game was like maybe not finished, but like well developed, like well well on the long way in development. Then you know the um the release date was never like a thing, but it kept getting delayed, and then yeah. people stopped talking about it basically, and and then someone finally figured out it was canceled. A, a lot of people uh, 
because there was complaints from a lot of uh, parents. And it ended up on like Fox, the complaints or something like that. Yeah. And that's that was the big deal. Like it was on Fox News and they were like, we can't play this, this game. is good. What is this? has no respect for the vets or whatever. And, and then I, they took off. I, I think if they would have brought that back, it would be a perfect thing for Switch. And the reason why I'm saying, saying with Switch is that I think treat it as an indie game. And since a lot of indies are making money on Switch, I think this game will get good recognition. If the play mechanics are good, if um, it it looks great in this art style, and they and they tell a compelling story, and they pay tribute to those who lost their lives, shoot, sell it for t- sell it for fifteen dollars or twenty bucks, they'll get their money back, and they could donate that to the veterans and donate to that to the families i think a lot of people would have bought that game if they released it now a lot of people will buy that game i wonder that though i wonder if that's if that's the case because we are worse now politically than we were 10 years ago whenever that game was coming out i think there was a time because that was like a post modern warfare one modern warfare two like we were jaded about this whole war in the middle east thing we were ready to to talk about this is like still around the time, maybe maybe not around the time, but maybe right before, like the Hurt Locker and all that kind of stuff. These movies that were like challenging our understanding of like what was going on out there, and sort of looking at war in like a sort of exasperated sort of why do we keep doing this to ourselves thing. I feel like that was the time to release that game. Now it's like if you have an opinion about war, it better be the right one. Doesn't really matter if it's the right one. We're gonna find you and t- tackle you anyway. Like this game would never leave Fox News if it was. If it was coming out now, I think. But but even if it didn't release Fox News, a lot of, I would ask the question to them, be like, okay, video game community and all who's fear and complain about this, how in the heck y'all could play Fifty Cent uh in the Sand Game and make that some money, but then you can't play Call of Fallujah? Because I think one is very clearly a joke. Like, I mean, but not you... that not that G Unit in the Sand Blood of the Sand <laughs> is a good game, but. but... but... But you, but you get my you get even though it's it's stupid. I'm like you you kind of got to think about these so called hardcore gangster rappers fighting in this middle fake Middle Eastern country for some skull with a uh, what that was payment for the concert that they had. Yeah, <laughs> they had a concert. We were gonna get paid in diamonds. And the diamonds got kidnapped, so the four of them were like, "Good, I guess we'll go get the diamonds from terrorists." And that's the, that's a video game. <laughs> Shout out to Blood in the Sand and G Unit and Fifty Cent for being like, "I want to make a video game." You know, I've never played that game. I just thought it so, was so ludicrous. so. It's funny. It's it's stupid, but it's a better game than it sounds, and that doesn't make it a good game. It's definitely <laughs> not that. It's better than the first 56 game that came out. Yes. It's like, and that game is really bad. But no, it, that's, a, that's a better game than it. I'm not saying go find it. <laughs> go break out your PS2 or PS3, whatever the fuck it came out on, and PS3, go play this game. Not worth it. Don't do it. But I will say, as a person who played it, it's better than it looks. Well, uh, it's funny that we mentioned the Call of Duty one because uh, my next question was: um, in the airport level, of Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two did it make sense, or was it needed for a game like that? Um, I, I, I think know. I think during that time when there was a lot of bombings or a lot of like shooting, like just a lot of bombings in America and even in the airport stuff, a lot of people. 
they felt offended by it. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Activision, well, actually, um, well, yeah, Activision, because uh, who uh, developed it? Uh, Re- not Respawn. Uh, Respawn, the guys from Respawn, Infinity Ward. Uh, the original guys who were at Infinity Ward, when they def- when they made this game, they put that level in, I guess, for for the story. And they end up killing the American at the end. It's an old game. You can mm-hmm. play it backwards compatible, whatever. And I remember that that being a bit controversy because you were playing as a Russian shooting up an airport killing Americans. And you can skip it if you want to. But I'm just mm-hmm. like, when I played it, I kind of was just like, this this doesn't do anything with the story. Because first so to of my all, knowledge, I don't think it was skippable initially. I think it, the patch came in eventually and allowed you to skip it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, probably so, but I know, I think there, there was reports that they said it was skippable when, uh, they released the game because of all the controversy. It might have not been skippable. I mean, I played it. I, I actually thought it was stupid because it was just like, it doesn't play a part in the game that keeps, that continues to make you jump around with different characters. Like it didn't feel linear. Like you didn't start with one character and go through everything, every level playing that one character. You kept jumping around. And I found that, like, stupid. Like, why even put in this level? I think uh, the idea is putting you in a situation to have, to actively do something you don't want to do for dramatic effect. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in a in the, you know, I'm glad you're taking artistic risks, I guess. Um, sure. But I think ultimately, yeah, like, the question is, what is this supposed to do? Like, I, I don't know that this actually did what you, like, really want this to do. Like, I don't know that I feel, I mean, yeah, I feel uncomfortable, but, like, not in the way you want me to. Like, I don't feel like, oh, man, I was this whole situation is fucked. This war thing is crazy. Being a black ops soldier is crazy. I'm like, why did I shoot an airport full of people for no reason? This could have been like a video. This could have been like a, a, a cutscene, and I'd still feel the same way. I just right now feel like I wasted a bunch of time. And I, now I'm like eye rolling because you're trying to make this dramatic. And you're trying to be all pretentious about it. And I don't feel that. So like, it was a miss to me personally. And I think it was, though I don't necessarily say, I wouldn't say like, the concept is like completely out of pocket and you should never try it. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate them trying, but that was a giant miss for me. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of weird. Just like you see all these set pieces in the, in the beginning. You're like, Oh, okay. I'll set that. Oh my goodness. You're shooting people in, in the, in the airport, in the airport. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's, and it'd be weird. It'd be different if they were like suddenly this. You you are this character, and you have to like go. You live longer than this mission. Like you're now in. You're like deep ops, and you're out here doing terrorist shit. And then there's a conversation about like how deep was too deep, and all that kind of stuff. That would be more interesting than like, all right, I'm doing this, and then I'm just dead at the end. But but, and, it's, but it's weird because just like oh, this airport thing is so evil. But you're doing evil stuff in Grand Theft Auto. You're doing evil stuff in Mass Effect to make your character evil. You do it in heck in Infamous. Like you, yeah. But I think the difference is like you, the evil you do in different games is contextualized differently. So like 
GTA, you're out here, which, and, and this is necessarily not a good thing. Like, I think the biggest problem with GTA 4 is the fact that it takes this person who's trying to be a good person and lets you do whatever you want with them, which well, is the, generally going to be bad. The, the so, like, evil thing in GTA is the controls and that stupid camera. Have you tried to drive a car in that wreck of a game? Also all bad. Uh, but you can't, like, you can't play 20 hours of a game of a guy who escaped, like, a war-torn country to try his hardest to do good things and then be like, but I can go, like, sleep with this prostitute and kill her and get my money back. That's what everyone's going to do. They're going to do dumb shit. And that, that don't inform this person's character at all. Um, I feel like in Call of Duty, you're being put in this contextual position for a story purpose specifically, so I don't necessarily... I don't necessarily way the act the, the bad guy actions you do yes as apples to apples here um when you get into these open world games you're giving the keys to people to go do dumb shit which is probably going to be bad and that's just different context like they designed these games because of that where since call of duty is like a controlled linear experience it doesn't have play they, they have more control over the mode like the mood they can set for you yeah and sort of story they can tell you directly you can't avoid the story they're telling you so they can deliver this in some like like i don't know some very deliberate way so i get it but like yeah doing bad things in open world games is like both counterintuitive but they design around it i guess so they're not exactly the same yes which speaking of grand theft auto <laughs> my next question is uh, grand theft auto crime ridden morals is based on stereotypes is it comforting to enjoy caucasians and other races playing the game as San Andreas? and should have been black developers making that game so let's let's address the first one so uh is it comforting to like enjoy caucasian people playing and other races playing san andreas or if you want to go from a different point of view with Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto 5, or just any of the games. But what are your thoughts? Well, I like San Andreas a lot um, because it's a game very based in a culture that a lot of people have seen and never understood or, I guess, ever ever been in. Most of the people that played Call of Duty San Andreas mm-hmm. have probably not been to South Central L.A., um, even if they live in LA or live in upper and like in California in wine country or in San Francisco, which is like the places they touch. Um, there's a great chance that your experience with South central is like in rap music or in movies, um, like boys in the hood or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I like that. Not only is it, not only are you playing a game, like, from in my perspective, not only did it give you an opportunity, like because all these go- all these Grand Theft Autos are basically like crime movies, right? Um, Vice City is like an '80s crime movie um, in Miami in in the time of like drugs and disco, and GTA Three is like a crime movie, like how we how we used to look at heist movies in the '90s, basically. Yes. Um, so you were playing a a gangster movie that was a movie that probably most black people have seen in multiple versions, but you were playing it in a way that allowed you to experience these things you may have seen, but also experience other things you may not have seen in movies, but you might know personally, culturally, like there's lots of very black things in that movie in that game that aren't like black gangster thing, just black things in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, and I love that it gave you an opportunity to it, – it was like playing both 
'90s, '80s gangster movies playing that that play they pay like really good reverence to the sort of NWA Ice Cube. Tupac sort of feeling and like the Rage Against Machine sort of like counterculture that was happening at the time uh-huh. captured those things really well. It also captured the black exploitation villain sort of situation dynamic that has been written about in the Simpsons seventies, eighties, and nineties, and in books, and uh, and you know black books and black movies for you know decades as well. Like uh, what's his name, um, Sam Jackson's Ten Penny, I think is his name, Alter Ten Penny. Yeah, is like. He's a villain. He's a very black exploitation villain, but he's also a very good villain. And I feel like a lot of these very good story characters get sort of subdivided into, quote, black story characters. And people don't appreciate how good of villains and heroes and sort of antiheroes and weird, like, kooky um, sort of side humorous, humorous sort of characters these people can be. Next to also being like black movie characters, but um, but do you like it? To me, I feel like you know I always feel like Grand Theft Auto in general get a pass because it's just a Grand Theft Auto game, and I feel like the the, the not violence the controversy that Resident Evil Five got with a lot of black people or uh, Chris Redfield shooting these black zombies or infected that. Black people didn't say nothing about San Andreas. That a white person and their team are developing this game, and they're writing nigger fifty million times to cuss words, and you know to make it feel authentic and stuff. I'm just like, well, why didn't you guys not say anything about this? You just overlooked it and accepted it and was hyped up for it because a it took place in Compton. It took place in someone in the nineties, and you feel like depending on where you were at and, and you know in your environment when you was black that you that you know it and accept it because you listen to that music or you've grown up with that culture or you've seen that movies and it's just like well, you didn't say nothing about these developers say writing this stuff, you just accept it as a grand theft auto in this environment. And it's, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird that a game that's sold that good that it gets this pass. Well, I think the difference is also we live in we li- we're living we're living in different Americas at this point, right? Yes. Um, Grand Theft Auto Five America in 2015 is a different place than San Andreas America in like two like night 2000 maybe. I don't remember when that came out. Um, not necessarily like you know the political climate, but we are more. We we are definitely more engaged with how the products that we consume get to us. Yes. Whose hands are involved in it? Who's touched like who made this, who wrote this, who's hiring these people, like who's writing their scripts and their words. Um some of the most popular black movies of all time aren't written by black people, weren't directed by black people. Big Mama's House is one of the most highest selling black movies, quote unquote. In history, like literally, yes, it might still be the most, the highest grossing black led movie, uh, ever, and it was directed by a white dude. Blue Streak, another Martin Lawrence hit, directed by a white dude, another big commercial success, and I think we weren't as actively involved or actively interested in trying to figure out how that happens. Like, how does something that appears so black? is actually not or is there somebody appropriating um 
we've turned into people that are a bit more, I guess, the uh, in the movies because of right. the Oscars and Academy Awards and stuff like that. Really I think the difference becomes now, though, when we look back at all these other sort of reinterpretations of our culture and movies that we sort of have addressed or we've sort of absorbed. The conversation now becomes like, all right, well, who is paying actual homage here? Like, is it just someone who wants to live the fantasy or is it someone who understands what's happening, like understands and can interpret the culture? Like, I don't know that you necessarily need to be black to interpret black culture um, in a in a way that's respectful to black people. Yes. But I think it helps, obviously. Um I don't think that I think Grand Theft Auto San Andreas does a better job at reinterpreting 90s black culture through our, the lens of the various sort of entertainments, music, movies and television than Grand Theft Auto 5 does. Um, and there are probably there are probably way more black people involved in writing Grand Theft Auto 5, especially the black characters. Um, but well, it, it, it feels like um because you know who gets, you know who gets um who gets this conversation all the time um Tarantino um Quentin Tarantino grew up on kung fu movies and black exploitation movies yeah and a lot of what he writes are direct influences from those movies yeah um and he often writes black characters either well I guess the big the big sort of criticism of him is he writes black characters that almost seem like cathodically him attempting to be black through these characters. But the, but I think that you know we might have a problem with that but we we look at his style of movie making. We look at right. we, we uh, take up we take the, That's kind of where I'm going with this. Like okay. you you can tell he watches black exploitation movies. Like you like the movie um Jackie Brown is uh-huh. clearly a black exploitation movie. You can see it all. You can see all the black exploitation in it. You can see the respect to the, the Van Peoples. You can see, like, the, you can see all the Dolomite references. Like, he clearly watched these movies. He and Pam Greer stars in it. Like, yes, there's no better homage to these movies than putting the queen of those movies in them. But I think with with Tarantino, you can like the writing part. Yes, the, you know, giving that character depth and their personality stuff. But I think sometimes when it comes to Tarantino, I'm like, you got to take everything in. But the way that the camera angle is going, the shot, the clothing, the lighting, like right. the Tar- music, especially the music, yeah. He's a big music like, guy. Tarantino gets a pass with that because. We we'll, we could talk about the characters, but there's so much stuff about movies that we normally don't talk about, and when his stuff stands out, we as a black community kind of give him praise for it because he he knocks it out the park. He gets it. At He'll time. also do for black characters and black protagonists that a lot of other movies don't. Like yeah, who who else made a black superhero before Black Panther than Tarantino? Because that's what Django is. Django's yes. a black superhero movie that addresses the culture of slavery as it is, not as not in like a romanticized version of it. Kind of with a Wild West theme to it. Right. It's like Zorro, but with a black dude, yes. which is something people weren't doing. And there's an appreciate like there's definitely like uncomfortable parts about it, but it's an appreciation of the fact that it wasn't comfortable that most like 95 percent of filmmakers aren't 
that have written about slave times aren't willing to do. He'll watch. He'll he'll put a a, a minute and a half scene of someone getting eaten by a dog, basically, because that's the truth, not because not just because it makes you uncomfortable, but that, that's the kind of shit that happened. And if you're uncomfortable by it, then that's the point. And I feel like that's a recognition of that's a recognition of the culture and respect for the culture from a person on the outside looking in Where that I think at, you uh, see in something like Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, not in everywhere, but I think you see it in some places where I feel like you definitely see it not happen in Grand Theft Auto five. And I don't know if that's the writing or the acting mm-hmm. or the fact that it's an open world game. And again, you sort of stunt your ability to tell a good story when you give the person the keys to the kingdom, let them do whatever they want. Uh, so I think Franklin's just a poorly written character, and I have lots of problems with Franklin personally. But I, that whole game has a whole bunch of problems. That's also true. Is, is, is a yeah. Um, what is the black martial arts one? The uh, with Jai Michael is it John Michael Wright? Jai uh, White one. He's been in a lot of those. He plays as the black PlayStation. It's like a comedy martial arts. Um, black uh, dynamite. Black dynamite. Yes. Where he takes the black PlayStation and makes fun of it, yeah, you and know. but but makes fun of it, but also plays like like significant homage to it because a lot of black exploitation was also funny, but it's more like celebrating the fact that these movies were made like with no money and with bad acting, yes. but like with like a heart of gold, I guess. And the intention was to put these super people on screen that were black. But he's like an example of black, black Dynamite, specifically the character, is a good parody of the problem that ends up being that black people end up getting written into. But see, it works well because the movie was written so good. It was shot, it shot so well. And right. it's pure funny. Like, you get the joke of what he's doing. Like, you, if you understand what spoofs are and you know that Black Dynamite is spoofing Black Poitation, the comedy stands out, which makes it funny. And, you know, I think, you know, him and uh, Andre something who did the music. I can't think of him. Uh, like, they got that movie right. It was made for, like, made for, uh, like, a low budget. And I think if, I think if they could do something like that for a movie uh, over what Tarantino does, that I think there should be some black developers who should be able to make an open world game. And I don't know if Mafia 3 does it um my, and i think mafia 3 is a great game it really ca- i think mafia 3 captures what that time is and what that black character was going through at that time i think they did a great job well i think it's a better game to watch than a game to play i think my problem with mafia 3 is all the playing parts I, you know what I, i'll take everything that's in mafia 3 over grand theft auto 5 that's true um i, I you know i think Deep down, there's a story. There's a a way better told, way more important yeah. story in Mafia Three well, than there is in Grand Theft Auto Five. Everything um, in Saints Row the Third, everything in Sleeping Dogs is better than Grand Theft Auto Five. That's true, and I think Sleeping Dogs is a really good example of a good um <sighs> game, a good a good open world game, a good crime game that still um doesn't place so much. I don't know emphasis on the Asian stereotype, right? Um, and I think that's because of the di- the diverse sort of cat color spectrum of Asian people. That's one. Of, that's another thing that ends up being a problem is like when you sort of cast 
to try to like check all the diversity boxes. Uh-huh. You fail to represent the races all that well because you just found one person to represent the race and not a, a collage of the races. I think it's easy to do in Sleeping Dog where you're in Hong Kong. Everybody there is Chinese. So you can have different types of Chinese people. Like not everybody in, in Hong Kong knows martial arts. In yes. fact, the concept of martial arts is something that's just kind of funny to most people in that game because not – because they're all normal people for the most part. Yeah. And, like, when you do go meet your old martial arts sensei, he's trying to teach you, like, ancient things, and you're, and you're just kind of waving them off because all that shit's mumbo-jumbo to you. Um, that's, I'm, like, you really only see that kind of good work when you start focusing on whole areas of things instead of just, like, removing people from those areas and putting them in his other thing. Yes. Uh, you, you, it's hard, like, my, one of my big problems... For example, another um, movie reference. I am – well, not a movie, TV show. My favorite superhero is Daredevil. The Daredevil um, Netflix shows are pretty good. The problem I have with those shows is representation of Asian people. There, there are no Asian people in those shows that aren't hand that don't end up dying or getting their ass beat. Yes. Like there are no Asian dudes who are just hanging out, just being Asian. Like, that's my problem. Like, when you represent this culture as one thing all the time, like, who who stepped in and was like, we need to cast some other Asians just to do something, like, that isn't this. Like, any of these other people could have been Asian. Like, somebody on the bus who's just reading a book, he could have been Asian. Somebody he, Matt Murdock, talks to on the way up an elevator just saying hi. Somebody he represents could have been Asian, but there are no Asians that aren't hand, and I feel like that's something that you don't know unless you haven't talked to Asian people. And I feel like you find that a lot. Which I feel like, because like, two of my favorite superheroes with the DC side is Batman. When it comes to Marvel, just full out, I'm coming with Punisher. And I know I have this, this I have had this crazy talk with everybody with Punisher, uh, uh, the second Punisher movie. Um, uh now the second Punisher movie or the third Punisher the third movie? Uh, because um, there's the Dolph Lundgren one. Not that one. Then uh, there's the Tom Jane one, and then there's the, the uh, Punisher um, Warzone. Punisher Warzone, yeah. I love more than just the shots in this crazy thing. Punisher don't care what race you are, what gender you are. He will kill you. He has a goal of getting revenge. And it doesn't matter. Like when they round up all the gangs and stuff. And I kind of like the shot that because all the colors represent the gangs. Like the Irish game is in green. The black people are in purple because you can't really shoot black lights. Because you can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And all the Russians, they have they cut. Like that shot, given that, Amer- that American speech and stuff, it works so well. Because it's just uh, like they, uh, it's a, a podcast called How Did This Get Made? And they talk with uh, Alexander, uh, uh, this direct, this female director who made it, who also she did some episodes of Take It, and everybody likes that TV show. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Lexi Alexander, that's her name. Uh, she does a fantastic job. I haven't watched her episodes on Taken yet, but I got to. They said those ones really good. She she broke everything down of trying to make that movie as a comic, and she did her research about Punisher and everything. And because it doesn't get that love for a lot of people, it's just like if you if you hear what she's trying to do and you see that movie in a different viewpoint of what she's trying to do, you get what what is what it's trying to be. Like it's a comic book movie. It represents the it represents Punisher very well, and. It's not. It has never been about race when it comes to 
Punisher. So you don't even have to think about race. If you get in his way and you try to kill him, he will kill you. And he doesn't care which way he kills you. He's trying to find the best and effective way to kill you. And aren't you really there just to see him murder people in creative ways? Like, Well, I think the Punisher, I think even the Punisher, he's a, he's a pretty blunt instrument when it comes to like what he's here to do ultimately. Uh-huh. It's still a, he's still a character that can tell a story about the things around him, right? Yes. I think you find that pretty well done in the Netflix Punisher series. Where it's a conversation about the Punisher trying to find who did this to him. Who attempts to let it go but really can't because he can't. Does not the, that's not who that person is. Right. Um, but it's also a conversation about what America does to its veterans. Um, be it forgetting about them completely. Or sort of turning them into people that can't cope when they come back. And they become easy fodder to get like ra- like radicalized into something more. Mm-hmm. It's about the surveillance state and how everyone's watching you and how the people who are watching you can't be trusted. They can't even trust each other. Um, how the, the idea of government and, and the idea of patriotism is something that is complicated at best. Um, and who your true, who the real patriots are, are people that you would, depending on who's telling you the story would paint them as villains or heroes. And that they really isn't that those things don't exist. Um, and all that can be told in a guy who's really only here to shoot guns. And I feel like I feel like too many people look at a game, especially games that could that are are trying to star or, or characterize or write or put us in a position with people who have come from various different things. Like this, that your protagonist is living and working in. Not in a bubble, in a real, in a world with inter- intersecting cultures and parts, and want to ignore the cultures and parts part. And I feel like the best part, the best way to be to, to immerse someone is to put them in a world that's real, in a world that isn't made to move aside from them just because they're there. Like there are people here who are still working, who still need to do what they do, and still have their own opinions. I think again, it's why I like Sleeping Dogs a lot. It's also why I like Mafia Three a lot. Because, yeah, Lincoln is a complicated character who has to work his way through his own demons. But not everybody you find is interested in Lincoln's problems. Mm-hmm. Like, even s- some of your allies that you can uh, convince to, you know, work with you really don't care that the fact that Lincoln was is a, is a biracial, like, Vietnam vet who's battling through P- PTSD and racism. Because they are, too. Like... Your problems are small, and I like that Mafia Three always reminds you that your problems are just small, a small part of bigger problems. Um, I think when you create a game that f- like fails to remind you that you're failing yourself, and I think not to go back to GTA Five's failings, but I think it leans so heavily into making you a powerful character, player character when it's, when the actual mechanics are going that it forgets to tell you that you're living in this giant place and everybody gives a shit about you. Like you, you're never challenged in any real way with any of these characters, like not mechanically and de- absolutely never in the story or emotional or mental way. Like Franklin's biggest challenges don't matter because it's him like talking to himself. Man, I didn't want to do this criminal shit, but I'm allowing me to continue doing this criminal shit. And, and, and even and that's and that's 
one thing that with Grand Theft Auto Five that I have a problem with. You know, Franklin throughout his adventure gets degraded by his best friend, but then there's a mission that you got to go and save him. Can't let him die. He, I, I got so infuriated at this part of Grand Theft Auto Five, which is like he degraded you throughout this whole game he put you in situations that you shouldn't be put in and you're telling him i don't want to do this but yet you're doing it why my problem he, isn't why did, why that did have to write him like that because he is because i can understand a character who can't seem to stay out of trouble at the behest of his friend he wants to say he wants to be a good friend blah blah blah, blah. my problem is when franklin has the opportunity to do these things himself he ch- always chooses the bad route anyway like once you once you start leaving the hood and start like meeting the the crazy government agent and all that kind of shit, mm-hmm. like Franklin's making those decisions by himself at this point, just to live, just because he wants to get paid and live in the hills. And it's like, well, what are your goals then? Because your goals aren't to stay away from crime. Then your goals are just to get money, which it, is fine. Plus, but don't but stop telling me your goals are to stay away from crime because you don't actually care about that. And plus, he's a forced character that has to do do this because this is how the story is written. And it doesn't, it, to me, it doesn't make sense. Grand Theft Auto Five should have been about um, uh, the what's his, what when they did the bank robbery uh, between those two, and it should have stayed with them. Franklin does nothing, has nothing to do with this, with this game and with the story, because regardless of he's messing with the other two, they don't, they're still. Once he once one person finds out the crazy dude, once he finds out what really happened, he should now be the antagonist of the game. But yet it doesn't turn out that way. So it just it feels like the writing of this game, like it just feels like they didn't they didn't write this game out very well. It it it, it doesn't. And it, I think it just it like it betrays its own characters for the sake of being an open world game. Because I don't necessarily mind the idea that, like, Franklin's very good at driving and he gets involved with them because he's, like, the bank robber driver guy. But, like, it never goes farther than that. I mean, if if you're going to make him good at being a person good at driving, actually make the driving mechanics worth playing. Yeah, yeah, basically. Because, like, the driving in Grand Theft Auto V is horrendous it's like they didn't it's like if you play saints world the third if you play sleeping dogs if you play any other open world game before and after um grand of grand of auto five the driving mechanics and even the flying mechanics are feel better i i have never and i think i had a problem where where your drive i think it was the first mission or one of the missions that you have to like um chase the motorcycle to get it back mm-hmm. well because the way that they mix the driving and the shooting mechanics together you could run off the road and it like it, it failed the mission because they mixed them together yeah Steven i think Dogs, rockstar is just bad at driving Stephen Dogs got it right where when there's a side mission where the uh, the ai which is like hey i'll drive you shoot that would have been perfect for Grand Theft Auto Five. Not you. Oh, I can't see the camera because I gotta press R three to do the special move and stuff. Now I can't see the road, and now I'm being degraded by this AI player. 
Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's like, it, it doesn't make no, and, and that's the stuff that kind of gets overlooked um, because of good sales. I mean, yes, we are talking about, talking about racism and stereotypes, but you know, that stuff gets over, that stuff gets overlooked because like I said, it's a grand theft auto game. So all that stuff could be forgiven. Well, I think especially with most open world games, everyone recognizes when it comes down to it that it's a a game about the sum of its parts. So, mm-hmm. like, all of its parts can be mediocre so long as the sum means I can do all these things. And like, I I, I don't know that anyone that I've ever talked to about Grand Theft Auto doesn't think the driving could be better or the shooting could be better. I think the but whole think, series could be better. I think they're excited from the fact that they can do all types of nonsense but, in but, one playthrough like seamlessly but that's but that's but that's the problem that you know with sandbox or open world games is that you pay $60 so you can have the freedom to do stuff like that without caring about the narrative the campaign or the characters and to me that's uh, that to me that's a problem that's not worth $60 worth of fun T- to me it might be $60 worth of fun to you if someone else is buying it but if when if you had to buy a 60 60 dollar game or plus to get that same kind of fun you better think about this about everything that is input to it because why pay 60 dollars to put some cheats in and just do all of this crazy stuff for views through twitch or whatever nowadays like i would never buy a grand theft auto game to just to be doing that i want to see what did you guys implement in this game to be worth that it gets the ratings and the reviews and why it got the sales and stuff well to me a i don't think you should have got the sales because of the narrative that the story tells you really shouldn't got the sales of the characters that in the the plot that you put in you shouldn't got the sales because of this broken gameplay and this so-called huge city that you barely could go into anywhere like the only places that you could go in is if you're buying stuff haircuts and clothing really and then a mission like and and ammo like it it, it's getting it it got the sales because of it being a grand theft auto game and once again i keep saying that and doing this open stuff that you really if you put a code in you don't really have no consequences but you you'll risk the consequences by doing whatever that you could do. Well, I think the issue is that's probably true. Um, but more importantly, like what's a what is a problem to a person who plays a lot of games and is looking for a higher mechanical execution mm-hmm. isn't a problem to most Ameri- m- most gamers. Like there's a reason 80 million people bought Grand Theft Auto Five so far. This is as of last year. I have no idea what the number is right now. But as of like around this time last year, it was 80 million copies of that game was sold. Uh, because And and I, I have to say that it's only 80 million because it's on five platforms. Right, but there are other games on five platforms that haven't sold 80 million copies. So that's a significant feat. Yes. Regardless. And I think it's because, A, they have a an online mode that's been alive since 2015. But B... Most people will take a six or a C grade mechanical system and any any particular partition as long as all those things are there. And I don't know that that's necessarily a good or bad thing, but I think I equate it to the idea like uh, 
Fast and the Furious is like a billion dollar series of movies. Mm-hmm. Why? Those movies are bad. But people who go watch these movies know they're bad. They're not there to watch a, a touching story. They're there to watch a car get shot out of the sky into space and then like land on someone and die. Yes. Like people will play these games like the Grand Theft Auto games are like the Fast and Furious movies. Like people are just here for whatever. Like the Rampage made thirty five million dollars this weekend. It's a movie where the rock fights gorillas, like a giant gorilla. It's a and it makes no sense. And then there's other giant creature for some reason. And it's just the Rampage video game, which also made no sense, but they put a story that makes less sense. But people wouldn't go sell that shit because they're here to see the rock get all muscly and sweaty and punch a grill in the face. Yeah. And like that doesn't make any sense. That's bad. And like it's bad on paper. It's bad in I'm sure the script is bad. I'm sure the movie's not shot well, but we're just here for that. And it's difficult to like critically it's terrible. And critically you're right. But real in reality, no one's here for that. I think and, and that's why I put the second question. Should have been should have been black developers making this game. Uh like Grand Theft Auto uh, San Andreas, and let's let's just do let's if you want to talk about San Andreas, that's fine. Um, Grand Theft Auto Five, or just the Grand Theft Auto series in general. I think if you have black developers doing it, I think they would tell a whole different story, and it wouldn't make the sales that that Grand Theft Auto now has. But do you I think? It, do think... you think black developers? Because I think it should. I think there should be a group of black developers making Grand Theft Auto Six, being able to tell their story, their vision, uh, their vision, and implementing something different in this gameplay and its rule. Well, should it even be Grand Theft Auto? Like, I don't even think it needs to be black people making Grand Theft Auto yeah, games. I mean, I think, sure, I, it could be I, Grand Theft Auto I, games. I, I, pretty, I, I think, think it could should. be. I think it could be any open world game. I don't know that. I don't know what. I think I think it's because we don't really have any black developers to look up to as a team, whether it's in indies or it's in first party or triple A. We we just don't have that many black developers, and I I think I I would I would love to see a black developers take on Grand Theft Auto Five. What do you envision this game and this series? Not continuing the spirit of Grand Theft Auto. But actually, what can you do that? What can you do better or equal to the original creators of the series from Grand Theft Auto Three and up? Not Grand Theft Auto One and Two. Well, I think what's difficult about Grand Theft Auto is that it's never been made from a black perspective. Mm-hmm. It would be a completely different game because it's kind of in the same way South Park has never been made in the black perspective. Like yes. South Park is a TV show made by white people who think things that white people would think is funny and take liberties with particular jokes about culture and creed and race that white people would make funny and would justify as just being joking about race and creed or whatever, mm-hmm. where GTA is a lot like that. So I wonder, like, A, is there any black piece of entertainment in any medium that is like that in some way that's like gta and like um south park in its sort of sort of cheekiness and like it takes such advantage of the fact of this particular sort of aggressive sense of humor and sense a uh, uh, sense of look at the sort of malaise of whatever culture i don't know that i can point to the black south park um because would, that's what this would, would turn the into. <laughs> well, it, see, it's funny about the PJs, though, is the PJs was 
like a lot of black comedy where it's really centralized in blackness um, and it isn't a black sort of lens on what's going on everywhere else. Or I guess it kind of is, but it's but it's something that like I would say even the Boondocks is a black TV show focused on the black experience in the suburbs where I would want to pull out even bigger. Like I would want them to write a GTA story about a crime sort of phenomenon like all the GTAs, but it didn't necessarily have to be overtly black, but I want to be made by black people and you'll find that these things are black. Like I think the best example I can think of right now off the top of my head is I don't know if you saw um, Donald Glover uh, when he posted like a fake script for Deadpool when dead when, when the, the when I forget who WB maybe like basically came out and canceled the Deadpool cartoon. Yeah, I heard um, about and, it. But and I didn't and get the see rumor it. was they blamed it on the writer. They blamed it on the writers for not having enough time to do it. And Donald Glover was like, "Well, first of all, I definitely had time to write the script." And then he posted like 15 pages of a script that he wrote specifically to answer the question, "Why wasn't the Deadpool series picked up?" And Deadpool's a white character in Africa at this in this particular scenario, but he isn't necessarily speaking to black culture, but a black person definitely wrote this character. Mm -hmm. You can tell. And I feel like that's a great example of what's missing. We get, we get the, we get the direct movies and write books and tell stories. So long it's like, as long as we're talking about black people doing black stuff, like we don't get to tell these bigger stories with white people. We don't get to write white characters and like, they can be our white protagonist. Um, very rarely do we anyway, I should say. Cause, probably, like, because, probably because the same way that white white writers would stereotype black characters and other races, we would stereotype white characters. And We could, races. but I feel like we don't get the opportunity to. Or, or I think that's not true because what Shonda Rhimes has made a, a giant career the past six or seven years mm-hmm. writing must-see TV on, on uh, basic cable, basically. Uh, she's written plenty of white characters, so I'm sure it works. It's just, you know, when I think of what would a GTA written by black people look like, people I think you'd see a lot it, more. People will call it the BET of game. And I think if it's about, if it's basically, what's that movie, which is like a, a like a black heist, um, a bunch of very famous black people are in it. I think T.I. is also in it. Um, they like rob banks or something together, but they always but they hang out together all the time. They, they, they like South something. They were like uh, Andre, yeah. the, not Andre the The big boy was in it, and they were like working as janitors. Something like that. Oh, what the fuck's the name of that movie? Because it's like if if GTA Five was that, then yeah, Takers is what I'm thinking of. Okay. Um, Takers. Uh, yeah, it was had like an all black cast basically. Jay Hernandez, who wasn't black but black enough, and I think the <laughs> white dude was Hayden Christensen or something, because uh-huh. uh, or or Matt Dillon, somebody, somebody you had to have the white guy. Um, if that was GTA Six, then you know what, you're gonna have a problem. I think you're gonna you're gonna get that sort of pushback. But, but if it it's, should, I, I don't think it should get that pushback because uh, we accepted San Andreas. So why would that version of Grand Theft Auto Six? Why would that be a pushback? Like, well, if, I think the real ad- adaptation, though, if you want to make the anti San Andreas, mm-hmm. would be letting 
a black development team tell a story that isn't black at all. Yeah. Like just and- tell a story about tell a story about like Italian mobsters in the twenties. If the like that would be it, I don't even think I, I don't even think it has to be even Italian. I would I would love to see black developers and writers let me see your version of how you do the clan let me see your version of how you do the nazis like let me i want you to go outside the box and take cults clan members uh like crazy religion and like uh the west baptist uh westboro not west baptist the westboro like i want i want you to take that and not make it so much as like a Far Cry Five thing, but set it in a city that's that's like San Andreas, not San Andreas. That's in a Grand Theft Auto thing. Let let me see your take on all of that stuff because yeah, you know what? And then I agree with one hundred percent. Like, let a black development team write a game about World War Two, right? Because the thing about it is, I'm just like when we hear when as 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 black people, when we hear of a black developer making like a GTA game, let's say if they were making a GTA game, the first thing we're going to think is uh, the Black Panthers. No, it shouldn't be that. Let them write and let that be creative. Let's, let them not deal with anything that has to deal with African Americans. Let's see their take on white culture and everything else. Let, and you know, and I think you're, and that's what I would rather see. Like, Yes. Because I think you would find that these stories that are that should be universal stories being told about people of any particular culture would be more inclusive to cultures that it ignores. It doesn't have to be about, you know, the Asian people to have the representation. Like not every Asian person would be a ninja. Like right. you would probably see normal Asian people just being normal people. Uh, they don't the story's not about those people, but they would be there. And that's the point. Like, there would be a representation that doesn't exist through the lens of, like, white developers. And, and I think that's the biggest difference. And I think that because of, of that ever happens, I don't think the GTA series would have the sales. And then those black developers wouldn't get a chance to make a game like that. They'll go back I to don't the know. original I think when that follows no for. In, in this specific example, that's the only way that they get the sales. Like, I don't think you can make, I don't think a black team of developers could make an open world game mm-hmm. uh, that's anything else but GTA for it to get lots of sales. If they just made a different game that was a completely different series and like, or a completely different, um, not related series, and there was a conversation, like, they went to E3, they had okay trailers, blah, 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 they would not be given the benefit of the doubt. But if, like, the success and the power, because GTA, the, franchise has power real yes. power in the industry with that power behind them i think it'd be fine and i, I, it, I think that that's why i argue that because of name alone all the racism and stereotypes that's placed in that game gets overlooked because it's just a gta game and because you have that title you're going to do sales that i think is true i think it, a lot a lot gets sort of swept under the rug because mm-hmm. of the gta game but i don't think that would work on the inverse like i think if 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 gta was a smarter game more inclusive if gta written by people or or had an extensive creative team of people of color didn't change much about gta 5 except the representation of the people in color of color not even changing like the particular characters like keep franklin's through line but change the way 
the ancillary characters approach people like they're like if you only meet two characters of a particular race make sure they're not stereotypes like make sure if you if you only have a small amount of people who are going to represent this race to you make sure they're not a stereotype the simpsons had this problem that that and they they've just could have like that conversation bubble up again the only indian american in the simpsons is a poo who's a thrift store or like a a like a Seven Eleven owner who is very, very Indian stereotype, and so is the rest of his family. Yeah. And like the only people you meet that are Indian in The Simpsons is him. So that's a stereotype. That's a problem. It's not a joke if there's no other representation. Like if more black people were involved in the creative decisions, or any people of color really were involved in the creative decisions in Daredevil, there'd be more Asian people who aren't ninjas. There, I like. I look at say. Jessica Jones as a good example of what representation looks like because you got enough people who are minorities involved in what that looks like. So black people have lines. They don't all just die. There's lots of women in different colors who do all types of things. And they're all there to do all types of shit. Mm-hmm. You have a Spanish family, multiple Spanish people who are not all just like speaking Spanish, doing exotic Spanish things, and then like you know, playing Latin music and trying to like coerce the, the white girl. Like they have their own problems and they're real fucking people. Like, and you can tell that someone that there's a team of people in the creative room who are also who look like these people. Right. And, and the biggest difference you'll find in GTA, if that room looked like them, is more of that. And I think GTA, I, there should be male prostitutes. And I know we didn't touch on women in the in the GTA series because they're they're looked at in a in a different way. That women are placed there to get your health back. The health, the have sex. Their their stereotype is to be sluts, pretty much, and I think that's kind of degrading to the female player base. It's just that the GTA is so male orient male oriented, and kind of for the male consumer that when it has any kind of female representation and stuff. I don't think it's. I don't think they even think about it. They think they place a male in here. the The story is all surrounded by males, and no females will ever play a part. You could kill as many females on your off time where you're playing the game. You could have sex with them if you want to to get health back, or you could you could just do anything that you want to the females because they don't have no place or representation in a Grand Theft Auto game. So or the ones I, that do like. Especially in again in five, like mm-hmm. there's lots of strip clubs you can just walk into, and they're all strippers. Or the women that have lines in her characters are either, for example, there's a side quest um, where you find a jogger who's like she's a super fitness nerd, like mm-hmm. fitness nut, but she's like the stereotype, like sort of 30s, 40s fitness lady who's like super aggressive, kind of like is bitter and hates men, but finds the opportunity to challenge men at every point, which is how you find her at all. Like she's not a real person. She's a cartoon. And all of these characters that you find end up being cartoons, like cartoon women. There's no like normal fucking women um, where there are normal men. Like even like uh, Trevor's lady that he finds, that's like, she's like, an, I guess she was like a maid or like a, a, a like a migrant worker maybe, but she doesn't really speak English, yeah. but he loves her anyway for some reason. Like, she has no agency. She's just a, she's a joke. All of these women end up being, they're worse than characters. They're just punchlines for the dudes. And it's interesting because, like, in a game that loves to make 
people into jokes, how come there aren't any men who are also those jokes? Like, there are no men strippers or prostitutes, like you said. Yeah. Whenever there's a gay man, he's a joke. Like, the, the, with the uh, exception of maybe gay Tony, who was also still a joke, but also an, an okay character, but, any other homosexual but, man is a joke. But he's a stereotype. Yeah, right. it's a joke. And, like... Like that DLC didn't break anything, didn't break no ground because, and we're gonna we're gonna move on from this because we only got like four more questions that we're gonna touch on. Uh, it's it, that DLC didn't work because it's just like you could have included this in the in the game to give a better representation, but it's still so male focused that you just decided to make a profit out of it. So that's why you really created and put it in, right? You know. So, uh, but we're going to move on because I think this question, I think we're going to have probably uh, another discussion. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn deals with diversity and hate and so very well in the millions. Since many felt it handled it correctly, would that be the right way to show racism and stereotypes being addressed? Well, I don't know that it shows racism being addressed necessarily. I think their answer to racism is mm-hmm. that we're so far removed from human like civilization that none of it matters or that this is well this is all we remember from humans so like these are all cultures that we're reinterpreting yeah so it it's it's so far removed from the actual i guess cultural references that it's its own it's they're really just wearing costumes which i guess again i don't want to say it's necessarily the biggest problem but like the uh i can't remember the names of them but they were like the sun people basically the the armies of the enemy yes. were like basically aztecs were like sun worshiping people they weren't mexicans there was no there's no like conversation about uh the colonization from spain to mexico and how it ruined mexico because none of that matters so i'm glad you're wearing you're building things of stone and you're wearing gaudy golden sort of armor and you're referencing the sun in like this weird you know poetic way but that mm-hmm. isn't aztec culture that's not what that looks like um i think uh, uh when as as okay so yeah racism i think i thought there was going to be some racism because of the way that they treat uh ayo uh the main well the, i guess they kind of it's prejudice but i don't think it's racism it's more like religious prejudice because they yeah, don't know okay. what to do with her because she, she came out of the other the machine and they're like that's weird um but, but I, I i think the there i like the way that she helps care the all the different race characters in it and when at the end of that mission that you do for that character they give you the option on treating on how you want to treat them, and some of it make some of them can seem gentle, some of them can feel racist, racist in a sense. But you were given that option to respond with a caring heart, or because you want the character to seem racist, that you just gave them this answer and stuff. Because because right. I, I think it handled all the side characters very well that. If you think that there was going to be a stereotype, it wasn't there. So it surpassed your expectations of that stereotype. And I, I, and, I yeah. and I guess that's why I, I feel like beyond the gameplay, the way the game looks and stuff, it's a beautiful game and everything. I think the narrative and how they handle characters 
we should have been rewarded more of more sales because of that. They did something. Guerrilla Games did something, not only doing a different genre, but actually handling the characters well and creating a conversation that this is what happens when it's when it's done right. Not what Ubisoft did with uh, Assassin's Creed um, and how they handle women and stuff, but this is how when you use a female character who's helping everybody, this is how you use side characters correctly without making them race, having a, some kind of racism or having a kind of viewpoint, a stereotype of them. Right. I think it did more for making Aloy and making Aloy, a, a strong female protagonist. It isn't sort of, well, I think they do fall into the, the default category of making your strong female character, someone who's sort of prickly and hard to approach, um, but like you said, they give you the options to actively work against that stereotype should you choose to by, you know, reaching out to people, trying to picking particular dialogue options and you can open up relationships with these people by being a nice guy, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, her default answers are like being an asshole, but you could be a nice guy. Um, I think it does more for that than it does for race because I think it removes race completely. I yes. think it takes it puts race on as a costume. And doesn't address race at all. But, but it, I think I think the that, science I think the sci-fi reasoning it gives you for race for doing that is because there is no race at this point. I, I, like I think, we've superseded race. I think I'm viewing the racism part of how Alo is treated from different people. So it's it it represents racism because of racism might be harsh because it deals with race. I should have said discrimination. It's definitely discrimination. Yes. Because because they treat her differently because of where she's from and their beliefs and how they treat people like that. Yes. Um, that's definitely a story about discrimination. Yes. I just don't think any of the discrimination we see in Horizon has to do Horizon with race. is race. Okay. Um, I think they do. They go great lengths to avoid that conversation by like well, default. I, I think they handled. I think Guerrilla Games handled it perfectly. That they dealt with discrimination. And it gets this point across, you know, people who are discriminated definitely like when it when it seems as racism. But when you just see discrimination, you understand it. You been people who did, have been discriminated, who probably play Horizons Zero Dawn, they understand why Halo, why Halo, <laughs> why Aloy is getting discriminated. They understand right. how it feels. But she is, but she works hard enough to prove that she's not what you're going to make her make her out to be. Right. So, um, but we're gonna move on. <laughs> I thought we could get a little, go a little bit longer, but that's that's fine. Uh, Resident Evil Five was controversial and it sold very well. Resident Evil Four dealt with Spanish or Hispanic, and not one controversy came from it. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I think the there were conversations about four, the same conversations we had um, in five, but I think we as sort of a culture weren't ready to make a big deal out of the conversation yet because they have the same problems. Like white Western savior comes to this rural like ethnic town and shoots every, and shoots it up to save it, to save it from itself. Um I think the difference between, say, uh, Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil 5 is that Resident Evil 4, even though most of the, the a lot of the villains are definitely Hispanic, right? Yes. Like, 
Um, there's no way around that. But I don't think it deals with Spain as a place as as five to, deals with Africa as a place. Like Spain, like it's in a Spanish hamlet um, or in a Spanish like port town. Yes. Um, the people there speak Spanish, but that's about as far as I get into it. It's rural into up to a point, and then just like castles and shit. Um, it jumps way out of the cultural sort of geo-economical discussion like as soon as possible, I feel like. Um, G- uh, Resident Evil 4 is, for the most part, a story about you finding the president's daughter and getting her out. Resident Evil 5 takes is when it explodes the story into this geopolitical thing, right? Yeah. Five and six, and then some movies in between turn Resident Evil into like a conflict of the world. And when you do that, you have to start talking about the world in a real way. And five did none of that, none of that conversation. It's Shara is like, I'm African, but can't handle this myself. Can someone please call Chris Redfield and his giant white muscles to shoot all these crazy Africans. So hopefully maybe we can get out of there. Um, I think I think there's a focus. Um, there's a, there's an interesting focus with five on the place. How like this place is perfect for a virus to run rampant because there is no law here in a place in this like unnamed African place. Right. Of course, you can just let viruses go nuts and they can be legions of zombies. Because where does the law where you could have done the same thing in four, but they, but there was like a maybe not a purposeful avoidance, but a definite avoidance ultimately of the conversation of Spain as a place and a culture. Where Africa is, there's definitely, if not a great long conversation, but an absolute, there's definitely a discussion, uh, or at least a representation of Africa as a place that could cultivate something like this because there is no law there. Yeah. And plus, Japanese developers made the game, so I don't know. Yeah, and they're just very bad at black people, I think. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) I just thought the whole controversy was stupid. I'm just like, are y'all going to buy the game or not? And who going to tag up with me to shoot these zombies or these infected? That's all I cared about. I think that's what they wanted to do. Um, But I think when you do – because they're not – making a statement about Africa necessarily. Right. But what they are doing is repurposing or repurposing like scenes and applications of shooting people in Africa and at warlords and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Things that are problematic in a way that even though they're not trying to be, they're using the framework of problematic shit. It, it, um, it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't feel right that if it's set in this fake Africa, that is a whole bunch of white people. Like, well, right. no. I mean, it could have been South sense. Africa, but... I mean, well, I mean, yeah, but I'm and, just and like, I don't think they should. I don't think they should have changed the location necessarily. Yes, have a bunch of Africans, but again, it's a conversation about representation. The only other two Africans that aren't African zombies are, a, are Shara and her partner who gets killed. Yeah. And like... That's it. There are no African authorities. There's no African government. It's just because wild them, African zombies. Has, I think most of them has been affected. So my thing right. was but this. I, but I feel like I wish there was a conversation. Like if you're going to talk about the politics, and that's what five wanted to get into politics, and mm-hmm. they're like, all right, well, let's do that. But they never do. They never do in a real way anyway. And that's five's problem. They should have just avoided that completely. Like 
we're just in Africa doing some shit. Like that should have been what it is. Yeah, but I think if for people who know the Resident Evil lore and the Resident Evil story, all of that kind of gets just thrown out the way. <laughs> it always does because Wesker's like, I'm just here doing shit um, exactly. because that's what I do. Uh, I wear trench coats and leather in Africa and in I, the Sahara, and I'm going to infect as many as I can. And also, I, we're going to fight in a volcano soon, so I'll see you there. Yes. And you're like, all right, oh, that makes no sense, but whatever. Just make and sure. I think just make sure Resident Evil gets. The, just make sure you have the helicopter and a rocket launcher. Right. Exactly. Especially a rocket launcher, because you can't end a Resident Evil game without a rocket launcher. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's ultimately why these things blow over. Resident Evil because they don't really want to do this. They just do it and like we find ways to apply it because they can't develop these games in a vacuum. But ultimately we know that they aren't trying to have a real conversation. They're not trying to say anything except you'll shoot zombies. So we'll say it for them for a second and then it's over. Resident Evil 5 was the best selling Resident Evil until 6. So it didn't really hurt them that much. And I heard 6 is garbage. 6 is absolute garbage. (laughs) Well, uh, we're going to get into these two last questions. Uh, do we demand better representation in video games, or do we accept what is offered as the norm? I think a little bit of both, um, because we don't get better representation unless we make a big deal out of the lack of representation. So conversations around Re- Resident Evil 5 might be excessive and might not be completely applicable because clearly the developers there aren't really trying to have that conversation. But because they're not, they're not, they're not thinking about having the conversation. So someone has to write a piece to maybe make them think about having the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, someone has to, to tell people that your black characters are here. We listen to them and like, yeah, they're not offensive, but they're not interesting. So like either we get offensive characters or uninteresting characters. Either we get, you know, who's the best example of a really bad black character? Well, uh, why are you thinking? I, I think a game like Dandara that came out is is kind of a first step that we got uh, African-American female protagonists. Well, I game. mean, that had to be made by, like, black females, too. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, Dandara is apparently is a decent game. That That is true. But, I mean, it's just I think it's just a, a great game to have in this industry that it some it somehow creates a history for the just for video games that mm-hmm. a game like this was actually made and that we have it um that someone someone is trying to do something different and break the norm yeah i just wish we found spaces to put black characters in things that aren't indie games that aren't indie metroidvanias yeah um that you know are going to get maybe 10,000 buys at the most. I want, I think it's a a huge, I think disappointment for me. Um, not that it it was a big deal, not that it ever has to happen, that there wasn't like a significant black character in DMC where there is an opportunity there and an application and an attempt to make to, to, I don't want to say modernize, but more fully realize Devil May Cry in a world we actually live in. Um, I think because of the universe of Devil May Cry deals with demons, uh, mostly deals with just demons and not not even religion in a way, uh, and kind of that presents style, uh, race doesn't play a part in it. 
because you you just when you when you think of DMC, you think of Dante and him having the sword and Ebony Aubrey and what combos you could put off. It's like it's it leans more to the stylish and with demons and not so much as race. It does, but at the same time, it also relies heavily on cultures that are ra- are are pretty racially tied. Like, for example, the only black character in DMC is a demon. You don't know he's black, but you see that he's black in all the other materials that aren't in the game. Mm-hmm. The actor is black. Uh, the voice is very much his voice. Um, but, like... This English punk thing, like, that was a pretty black culture in the 80s. Not that Dante needs to be black or Virgil needs to be black. Yeah. Either one, like, they can continue being white. doesn't matter. They made all these other characters, though. Any one of them could have been black. Maybe not Mundus, because he has to be related, obviously. Yeah. But as characters who can take so many forms, I think it's interesting, not necessarily good or bad, but this is an opportunity to have representation. Like, there are characters in DMC that are were not in the canon before, and since DMC probably is not getting a sequel, won't be in the canon after. So, there's opportunity there. Well, and I, well, I, that's that's okay. my problem. I see, because I'm thinking with doing DMC because you're separating the reboot. Uh, yeah, because they're not necessarily the related. And like, I don't know if this is Devil May Cry Five. Like, I don't even know what you do with a story like that. And in Devil May Cry, there have been black characters. Um, or maybe not black necessarily, but colored characters in DMC too. There was what's her name was a character. Um, oh yeah. Uh, they all the other character you play whose name I never remember. She wasn't a good character, but she was from like Tuscany and was kind of, uh, like ambiguously ethnic. Um, whatever character that um Trish pretends to be when she's in four, I think she's dark skinned. Of course, she's only pretending to be this person, so whatever. But I, 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 I never played the Devil May Cry four, and I don't want to now. <laughs> it's it's I like I these, these are I, these I, are uh, go ahead. These are popular games, uh, are games that have big spaces and big audiences. That will be great opportunities for good feats of representation. Like again. We're, having a, like black protagonists, yes, that's the, that's like the goal, I guess, to have a uh, very good black protagonist in a video game. Um, we don't have those, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, where, I, where I think Bayonetta, the Bayonetta series, even though there are stereotypes, full out stereotypes. The the black were, bartender it, is a stereotype, <laughs> pretty much. Yes, it works because we know what that world is and what those characters are supposed to play as. We understand that you guys are stereotypes. You guys have roles, and you play where it needs to be played. And right. I think those stereotypes, because it's so well written and acted and showcased in a way that we, because we understand it, we love and accept it. And, and we, I don't it believe every game place. has. Yeah, every game doesn't have to like solve every problem because Bayonetta yes. does his own does his own good work with making. A character like Bayonetta who has all this agency. Like, she's a strong character, but she's not, like, an angry character. She likes having fun like Dante does. Yes. She likes being sexy. She but she's in control of her entire 15, life. 15,000 feet in the air. Like- exactly. She she is super powerful and super in control, and she's allowed to do whatever she wants. And you just right. let her do it. And you feel good about it. Um, I don't even think – it's not even about necessarily just being a black character. Like, I think Metal Gear 
uh, Rising has a decent Hispanic villain. Yes. And, like, it's funny because being ethnic ends up being your character in lots of things. People forget that you can have your own, like, neutral motivations and just be a guy who happens to also be black or Mexican or whatever. But I love that you're allowed to be, like, Jetstream's, like, Jetstream Stam is a bad guy. He is a fucking Kojima bad guy, but he's also Hispanic. And, like, they don't hide the fact that he's Hispanic. He speaks Spanish to you. He has an accent. Like, the fact that he's from Mexico is part of his life, and it's something he wears on his shoulder. But he's not... Being Mexican doesn't make him, like, a worse villain, or doesn't make him, like, an inferior villain. In fact, it informs him more and makes him more relatable. Goodness. Just just a side note, if they fix the Darian and dodging and concert attack then in Revengeance, I think it would be a better game. I don't like how they put it as as it, because I love the crazy action ninja <laughs> uh, action that game has. I don't hate it. I think clearly it's they they are looking they are looking to make it way as different from like a DMC as possible. Yeah. Like they want to put parrying on the attack and you make you be aggressive. You can't just wait for an attack and parry it coming to you. You have to be moving to do so. I get the idea, but yeah, it's hard. If the camera was better, I think it'd be yes. something that make more sense. Yes. But you're fighting the camera so much to get in an angle so you can see the attack coming that it becomes a problem. Yes, I agree. But like, we don't have like there aren't there are never great examples of those characters. Like, it's always someone who has to be like extra black or extra Mexican. They can't just be a guy. Like, my favorite, one of my favorite characters in TV is um, Idris Elba's Luther. He's just a he's just a detective. He has detective like TV detective problems. Like, he has an anger issue. He's had like issues with the law in the past. But it's not because he's black. This could have been a white actor. It just happened to be Idris Elba. Yes. We don't have, like, the it that just happens to be Idris Elba of, like, protagonists in video games. And when we do, they're boring. Like, when we do, there's Jacob. And, like, I keep shitting on Jacob in Mass Effect. And it's because I feel like Jacob Taylor's boring. And I feel like he's boring because they didn't know they don't want to make him, like, too black and make people mad. So they don't know what to mm-hmm. do with him. So just, like, they don't want to take any risk with him. I think it's funny because, say, Liam... Who from Andromeda is a black character who's interesting, and they didn't make him too black. Like they just didn't figure it out with Jacob, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I can understand it. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to get to the last question. Um, what would you like to be changed, in, or what would you like to change um, in game sales that that get overlooked uh, when it deals with racism and stereotypes? And uh, what options can you offer? Well, sales are tough because it's like the one variable you can't control as a game developer. Like you can control the art, you can control the music, you can, if with enough time, you can make the programming and coding work exactly how you want. You can make the level design can be exactly what you want it to be. Everything in design is exactly what you tell a computer to do. So as long as you're skilled enough with the computer, you can do it. The only thing you can't control is after you go after you go gold and release, who buys it. So, like, all the ads in the world are, don't necessarily mean someone's going to come buy your game. So, how to make it interesting for someone to 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 actually spend money on your game? It's a question as old as video games, really. Um, and I don't know that there's a great answer because people buy lots of games for lots of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, if I look at the biggest games that sell, 
and I ask like why it's a kind of a strange question because there's no great answer to why and a lots of the reasons why aren't related to the I feel like aren't related to much of the nuanced sort of storytelling or representation conversations at all right mm-hmm. it's like Call of Duty World War 2 is the number one selling game last year because it's Call of Duty NBA 2K18 was number two, I think, because it's a two, an NBA 2K game, and they always sell well. Um, Destiny sold well, and that story's garbage, and there's no representation really at all because um, they don't next, they don't recognize characters' races as anything but things you kind of glass yourself up mm-hmm. as. Like Madden is a sports game. Uh, Battlefront was a Star Wars game. Uh, Mario's a Mario game on the year the Switch launched, so clearly that's going to sell out. Uh, Mario Kart 8, uh, Breath of the Wild. Like, these are the top, like, the only other variables here are Grand Theft Auto 5, which has been on the MPDs for every year since 2015, and, like, Wildlands, I think, Ghost Recon, and I couldn't tell you why Ghost Recon sold at all. I have no idea why anyone bought that game. So, I don't know that fixing racial representation can translate directly into sales. But what I do know is that since it seems to not actually matter, there's no reason not to do it. Like, yes, not everybody who's making a game should aim to be the top 10 NPDs because you're not going to make it. But there are plenty of games in the middle that could probably do, that are going to do some sales, going to do decent work. They have to work, they have to worry more about how they're presenting their content. They have to worry about how their ads look. They got to worry about are they showing the cool shit they can show every time someone sees this game? But I don't think that representation has to be a problem there. Like, I think you can definitely find a way to make a black dude, like, be in this shot or, like, a black woman be in the shot. And a lot of people feel like, like, games that do shit earn it, that don't get it, they do their best to market, like, as a fan base, they try to get that game marketed so it can sell well. Um, and games that do get it that other people think shouldn't get it, like Hellblade, definitely earns it. We, regardless if you don't like Ninja Theory, regardless if you don't think about mental health and stuff like that, if you play that, if you are willing to give that game a try, you get, begin to understand why it's so well. It's something that no one in the industry has touched or even done. But Ninja, Ninja Theory did touch it. Did their research, came out of their own pocket, and out and out here marketing the game, and it be it won the rewards that it won. It's won. Um, well, I would wonder. And, and, and go ahead. And, uh, and I also, and I think Watch Dogs too, because I'm looking at it right now. Watch Dogs too, using that black uh, protagonist, they learn. Ubisoft learned from their mistakes from Watch Dogs, and they fixed it. And I and I think the represent, I think the representation from the characters, the story they they told, and what they're trying to do in that game was done was done perfectly. But I wouldn't say I don't think I think generally speaking, Watch Dogs Two didn't really blow anybody away sales wise. Right, it didn't it, it it didn't because I think of what what they did with with uh, Watch Dogs. But I think it's a game that if people did pick it up and play it they will understand why this game should have sold. Yes, I, I agree with that too. I think, I, you know, it's a good game. I think the game's problems that would steer someone away from 
buying it have nothing to do with how well it did representation and how well it sort of had told a story about like it like it has a black protagonist yes. and it isn't necessarily about him being black but doesn't shy away from the fact that he's black it doesn't make it a game about him being black it's more of a game about the people versus like tech culture and silicon valley being like this weird fake place and you have to hack the world to get to get right yes. but the fact that he's black isn't a secret and there are stories about it being told like it's represented it's not just a, a, a skin necessarily yes um, which is important but i don't think that affects the sales at all yeah well i think it may be a little bit but not enough to like make it a big thing like there are a lot of games about real diversity i think that came out last year um that don't have that did, did just even the ones that got like good buzz don't sell well and i think buzz is really the story here right like mm-hmm. what sells besides people telling you to go buy it um pyre is a good game about diversity um you wouldn't know it necessarily because the conversation about pyre is about anything but but it is it is a about people who get discriminated for whatever reason um usually it's it, it the the it slants to more like religious discrimination, but it is about diversity and, uh, and about in some ways racism. And that's not a conversation you hear in any of the marketing because they got to choose, they got to choose their battles. But I think they also know that like, if I, we mentioned that this is about racism, that's not going to move the needle. I don't know that you can move the needle by making a game like this. You move the needle by like putting this in games. People will definitely buy so putting this in Grand Theft Auto Five, putting this in Call of Duty, that's why people get so disappointed when Call of Duty doesn't address these issues because no one's going to buy the game about racism. People are going to buy Call of Duty, and this is the opportunity to talk about racism. Yes. Well, uh, I think that's going to do the show. I would like to offer one game, and then, Jared, I want to let you offer one game uh, that you think is going to be good for a conversation that deals with something like this. Uh, for me, I... I hope every people pick up Iconoclast. It is coming for Switch, but if you own a PlayStation 4, and hopefully that it does come to Xbox One, because I want to see that game on that platform too. Iconoclast, I think, deals with with racism, not so much, and a little bit of stereotypes, but it deals with racism and how religion forces that racism and stereotypes and that and discrimination. And uh, I I think it's a great indie game that it open it open you up to having that conversation. It's a great Metroidvania platform game. Um, Jared, do you have one game that you would like to recommend? Um, let me think here. You know, it's an odd choice because I I definitely didn't uh, I didn't love Skyrim, mm-hmm. but I think the Elder Scrolls games do an interesting um, job at having conversations about race and the context that create a race, a racist sort of structure years away from an issue. Um, For example, the dark elves are basically the, the kicking puppies of the elder scrolls sort of game because they are, um, because they made they basically as a culture they made a mistake a long time ago. Uh-huh. Um, cursed like they they swore away one of their gods and as a punishment that god's been punishing them basically since. 
but that's turned them. They 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 blasted their lands, turned their skin black and their eyes red, so they look like monsters. Basically, the place they live is a dangerous place that it's twisted, and they have to do weird shit to live there. So now they've been looked at as they're looked at as just strange by everybody else, and it doesn't treat and like. Morrowind does a great job of having a conversation about how everyone looks at Dark Elves and, A, how Dark Elves look at each other um, and how they deal with all these sins of the cultural past. I think if you want to spend 100 hours in an open-world fantasy game, Morrowind is a good option. Um, Maybe Oblivion and maybe Skyrim. They they all do very good conversations about the relationship between races. I haven't played much of this MMO. Mm -hmm. I imagine they do it, too, because you get to go into all these different... Uh, regions and all these different countries at the same time, so maybe. But um, if, if by the time you guys hear this episode, or when you're hearing this episode, Morrowind is out for uh, Xbox One backwards compatible. Yeah, so this and yeah, the original Morrowind comes out. Yeah, yeah. I tried to play that game, and I'm just like, oh no, it's a lot. <laughs> it's way a lot. <laughs> but that's going to be the sh- our show. Uh, thank you, Jerry. Um, go ahead and plug. Um, well, again, all my stuff, the easiest way to follow me and find all my shit is go follow me on Twitter at Jarrett John. That's where I'm at the best at trying to keep up with promoting all my stuff. Otherwise, um, irrationalpassions.com input the podcast, get that on Apple, uh, Apple podcasts, subscribe, like, share. Tell your friends we are a news TV sh- a news radio show about news about video game news specifically. Yeah. Um, uh, all of our writing reviews features at rationalpassion.com. I also tend to pop up other places from now and again, um, and that won't be changing anytime soon. So the best way to keep in touch of all that stuff is just to follow me on Twitter. And I gotta try to get Brian. I gotta get an episode with him. He hasn't said nothing. I'm just like, uh, get on. She she gets busy at work and like disappears from like Twitter and Facebook for like days at a time, and then he'll come back and be like, "What I miss?" Brian, get in touch with me. He'll be ready. Yeah, this is a conversation you'll definitely have. Yes. Um, you guys can find more optional opinion on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, uh, TuneIn, and other podcast apps. Um, you can also email the show. I would like to know what you guys think uh, about this conversation, about this topic. You can email the show at myop2comment at yahoo.com. M-Y-O-P, the number two, C-O-M-M-E-N-T at yahoo.com. You can follow me on Twitter at that retro code, and also check out ngrradio.com where you can find my writings and and a host of podcast shows that I do with my fellow crew there. Uh, we have stuff for Xbox, for Nintendo, PlayStation, and for the community. Um, and with that, uh, thank you guys. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. And we are out. And once again, thank you, Jared, for coming on the show. No problem. All right. And we'll see you guys next time on Optional Opinion. Bye. Bye.